Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquet, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals. And in doing so, I learn more about them. We all learn what made them the way that they are and why they are so weird as to love musical theatre as much as they do. Importantly, we build up to asking what show they would order run forever if they had the power of the Mayor of Musical Theatre, which is a completely made up position. Unfortunately, no one has that power. Otherwise, I would have claimed it already and would still have Ghost Quartet at Boulevard Theatre. Very excitingly, this week's guest is Carly Mercedes Dyer, the incredible Carly Mercedes Dyer. We all love Carly Mercedes Dyer. You'll know her from from Anything Goes. She was an award winner for that show. She was in the original Hades Town. She was she's she's been in so much stuff. Um, we'll talk about a lot of the shows she's been in. But most excitingly, she's about to appear in a new production of Stephen Sondheim's Assassins for the Chichester Theatre Festival. Chichester Festival Theatre. I should really look that up. Um, it's it's an established thing. The fact I don't know it off the top of my head is appalling for someone who calls himself the mayor of musical theatre. But that just goes to show it's all made up. It's all made up. Anyway, so do go check out Kylie Mercedes' diet. There are some incredible videos of her on YouTube. She's a wonderful talent and such an amazing guest. This podcast is produced in association with musicaltheatrereview.com, your premier source for news reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the chat with Carly Mercedes Dyer. I love clothes. I love to have a laugh. So yeah, who doesn't want that all that attention? Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer and now podcaster slash fake mayor Ian Boquette, but I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. She is the award-winning star of Anything Goes, Lester Curves, West Side Story, Ain't Misbehaving, Hades Town at the National and so many more. Now she's starring in the new Chichester Festival production of Stephen Sondheim's Assassins. Kylie Mercedes Dyer, thank you so much for talking to us today. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited. Oh, I am so much more excited and the listeners will be as well. Um, you've been in so many amazing hit shows recently and now Assassins, which is, well, it's kind of a weird Sondheim, but also it's weirdly accessible mm-hmm. and relevant. I mean, how do you explain Assassins yeah. to people? I mean, in the current climate that we're living in right now, it's very appropriate and uh, something that I think is going to make people empathise with different views and the way that people can come from such like a left or right um, wing side. But I think the way that we're doing it, which is kind of a surprise is what I'm going to say, even though there's been pictures that might make people question what we're doing. But I think if you've booked your tickets and you're coming to see us, you're going to be in for a ride. Um, But it's basically um, getting into the mindset of the people that have attempted to assassinate presidents. But we've got a stellar cast that is just insane, really. The people that are in the room, it's like, what? And if it goes wrong, I don't understand how it could have gone wrong because you've got people that are literally at the top of their game. They're excellent people that you want to play with that are always going to give you a choice that is like out there as opposed to like the obvious thing. So it's really exciting and also a little bit intimidating, you know, because you go, okay, there's that person. They're doing something amazing. You go, how am I going to like top them? But at the same time, it's a really, it's a really bizarre piece because it's an ensemble piece 
and it's very collaborative, but also it's kind of like everyone has their moment to kind of take the stage. And then you kind of don't see someone like Luke, who's playing um, Zangara. He's right at the beginning as his assassin and has his moment. And then he kind of like disappears for a long time until the end. So he's got a really cushy track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a dream, isn't it? Just go to your backstage to your dressing room and chill out, yeah, have a nap. Really chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's name some of the people you, um, you're working with on this. Amy Booth Steele, Luke Brady, as oh you say, Danny Mack. I mean, have you worked with these people before at all? Yeah. So Danny Mack was actually at ArtSed with me. So that's just like a blast. From- I knew him before he was a celebrity when he was giving it Hollyoaks and Strictly and all the things. And he's just absolutely a beautiful human being, so generous. And there's no airs and graces with him that he's just like, oh my God, I'm a celebrity. He is doing the work, which is amazing. And everything he does, it's like so thought out. Amy Booth Steele, um, we did a workshop of witches um, with Jack um, some years ago. Um, but me and Jack have known each other for a very long time. So I've got two great scene partners in the fact that I've known them for years and they love to give me the twinkly eye in the scenes. I'm like, can you stop giving me those eyes? When I was like, I have lots to say. I have so many like reams and reams of things that Charlie says when you come to see the show that I kind of go into and they're giving me the eye. I'm like, I need to concentrate. <laughs> so they're really fun to play with, but it's just, uh, it's so great to actually be doing an actual production that's being put on somewhere with them. But Ivan, I did Dance Till Dawn with him. Bob, I've known for years, like so many people, so many people. And then obviously I know other people's careers because I'm a fan. <laughs> and of course, because the theatre scene is surprisingly small. It, it's quite shocking how many people you've actually worked with before. I know. You go in the room and you go, oh, I kind of know everyone. I mean, Jack knows everyone. He's just like, oh, yeah, should we go for a drink? I'm like, you know more people than I do. I know of them, but he no knows them. <laughs> so you're wearing a Chichester Festival Theatre lanyard at the moment. Has it been a day of rehearsals today? Yes, it has. It's our third day. And you know what? It's been so idyllic being here. Like I've got a 20 minute walk to the theatre and it's just green, green, green. And then you come out in the lunch break or your tea break and it's just a field and it's glorious. The weather is beautiful at the moment. So we've been really lucky. But I mean, the rehearsal room as well just looks out onto the field. So even if it's raining out there, I'm sure it's still going to be glorious. But you can just feel the space and just the energy as opposed to the um, rat race and the busyness of London. I don't, I don't not like London, but it's just nice for a change to go, ah, this is good. Especially on such like a dark sort of subject that we're kind of delving into. Mm. You need a bit of like light relief and some dogs that are going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's There's so much in it about idealism and about wanting to be known. And I suppose when you're in mm. central London, surrounded by, you know, West End billboards everywhere, you're kind of in the, yeah, yeah. the epicentre of all that. And you don't want to be reminded of yeah. weird celebrity culture. And it's that thing where these people are, you know, the people that are seen as the freaks, the unknowns that are kind of just trying to, in some ways, we've had to learn to find the love for our characters because you always want to empathise and sympathise and know why that person's done it. But obviously to a wider audience, you'd be like, they're terrible people, but we found a way to kind of go, "Mm, I see why they did that, even though it's awful. Mm -hmm. And it's that thing where you don't want to get cancelled in this, um, in this, Uh, society that we have now but to get inside these characters you have to have that and know why as opposed to just kind of being on the outside that you go they're terrible and I hate them you have to remove yourself but it is that thing where you go this was their last attempt to go I just want to be noticed like Jack he has that thing where he's like I'm going to do one historic act to get the attention of someone and it ends up being that he's going to try to kill a president. Yeah, I imagine there's so much you learn about history while doing a show like this. But also, as you say, you're thinking about the motivations of people throughout time. Has it affected the way you see the world at all? I mean, I think 
there's a way, I was having a conversation with someone the other day um, about how empathy and sympathy, you would think that they're kind of like on the same tangent, which they are, but it's that thing where you have to empathise with why someone has got to this place, but you need to also find the sympathy when you're playing a character, but you can have empathy without sympathy as well. So it's definitely changed my, I think my outlook as well, because when you get to know characters more, and I've read like books on Lynette Fromey and how her life was and like her relationship with her father. And there's so many different triggering things that you can read about that you suddenly go, you understand why they get drawn into like a cult like I was in my um in my character study. You go, oh, you see why? Because she wanted that sense of belonging. I think the through thread with all of these characters is that they are outsiders. They want a sense of belonging to make an impact so people notice them and go, you are worthy of our attention. So with my character, it's, you know, there's a lot, there's um a short amount of time to deliver all this information but at the same time having like a fun scene where you get to know these people, but there's information about my character, how she didn't actually think about shooting the president. She's like, I'm going to take a gun because it's going to get his attention because he'll be scared as opposed to that was her purpose. She just wanted to talk to him about them cutting down these like humongous, amazing trees, redwood trees in California. So yeah, there's lots of insight to these people and who they are. You're right. There's there's a lot of naivety with the character. I mean, the big song, the amazing song that you get to sing, um, Unworthy mm. of Your Love, which is, it's a beautiful ballad. It's sort of Carpenter's M.O.R. 70s rock style. Yeah. And you can hear it in a cabaret and go, oh, right, it's a love song. And then once you get to the context, creepiest song ever. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, because I've got like a great partner in um, Jack. He's singing and he's just like, oh, sunshine, roses about his love. And then I come in and Polly, our director, Polly Finley, was so great. She's like, Carly, really lean into the words because what I'm saying is blood and gore. And you go, mm, it sounds so like mm, melodic and just like, what a tune. But then when you listen, you go, wow, these two are really creepy and mm, I'm not sure I want to hang out with them. So it is that thing where you have to really focus into the lyrics sometimes and really serve the text as opposed to being like, such a great tune, really strum it out on that guitar. There's no kumbaya about it really, which is like really leaning into that um, warped devotion and like that cult, um, that cult religion in a way. Um, I heard you talk on another podcast about your character in Anything Goes um, uh, and mm-hmm. how you developed your, uh, how you became very squeaky for it. And it, it's a little <laughs> bit ironic that now you're playing squeaky in. Isn't that how mad? That I've literally not even thought about it. I'm like, oh my goodness. But do you know what's so weird? It's a very um, different tale why I'm called squeaky in this. Basically, uh, the ranch owner where they ended up kind of like basing the Manson family um, used to, this is like, I'm hoping that young people aren't listening to this, although I would want them to. He was inappropriate with her, so she would kind of squeak, and uh, that's how she got her name. But nothing to do with her voice. (laughs) So much darkness. So much darkness. That's the thing. I was like, we need to go watch Disney on a day-to-day and see the puppies walking in the park at Chichester because it is very sort of, like, heavy. And for how heavy it is, it's remarkable how entertaining it is. It's got some of the catchiest Mm. songs Sondheim ever wrote. Yeah. And it is that thing where we're putting a spin on it that you go, oh, even though they're really dark human beings, you might leave the theatre thinking differently. You might go, oh, because even our um, some of our cast members, they go, I don't sympathise with them. And you go, but that's because of who you're playing it, because you're meant to be objective and have a different view, view sight, whereas all of us as assassins go... Yeah, I feel you. I see what you were doing there. So it's it's really interesting to see that dynamic. One of the first shows 
I think it was probably the first time I ever saw you live on stage. Um, it's another show which is a lot about morality. It was the amazing um, national production of Hades Town, where you played one of the oh, things. And such an amazing show. And it's on everyone's lips at the moment because they've just put tickets mm. on sale for the London run. What was it like being a part of making that show everything it is now, a Tony winning monster? Oh my gosh. It was amazing. I had no idea about it before I had my audition come in. And then when it came in, I was like, oh my gosh, the national. And then obviously I listened to it before I went in because I wanted to know more. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I have to be in the show. I have to. Like, you know, you go, oh my God, I really want to be in this one. And being in the room with Aeneas and Rachel, and then obviously people that had done the um, workshops beforehand was just incredible. And to work with such a team where Anais is there strumming on her guitar and then she'll go away. And I would think, oh, that sounds great. Like the words, everything, the meaning, the text behind it all, it sounds wonderful. And she'd go away and she would fine tune everything. You go, how, how are you doing another draft? It already works, but that's why it's so brilliant. But the piece, oh my goodness, it's just amazing. And I really love it. It's just the music and the journey it takes you on, it's just really cathartic, I think, because there's such hope in it, but there's also such darkness and there's like a reality to the world in that sort of like resemblance. But then at the end, even though it's like, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep pushing forward, which I think is a beautiful um, story and uh, motivation to have in life as well. Even though there are downtimes, you've got to have the downs to come back up again. So it's I think it's one of the most like beautiful musicals, really. You're right. You can tell how much work went into it as well. Every lyric choice, mm. every word. Um, if listeners haven't um, read the book, uh, Working on a Song, which Aeneas wrote all about how the lyrics evolved over time. Uh, so much work went into it. It must have been amazing witnessing it firsthand with her in the room yeah. with you. A genius at work, literally. Yeah. And also, you know, I love working things out. And kind of, in a way, as an actor, it's my job to work those things out and how you like problem solve and make things seem natural and real. And to be in a room with someone that's able to play, Rachel Chavkin, to go, oh, okay, what is this? And get the opportunity to work with such great skilled people. And then also like hone your craft was amazing because the music speaks for itself and it just like takes over your body. So even though I was a fate and there's that thing where I like want him to turn around when he did, it was always like, ha ha. Oh. <laughs> it was me as a person like, oh, it breaks your heart. But then at the same time where the sort of like rays of sun come out when it's like, oh, we're going to sing it again and hope for a different outcome. It's just so beautiful. It's like one of my favorite parts as well in the show. We should mention as well, though, um, Anything Goes, your award-winning role in Anything Goes. Thank you. We had <laughs> Kerry Ellis on the podcast recently, oh. who was talking mostly about how much, how great fun it was, of course, but also how much mm -hmm. hard work it was. And you can tell when mm -hmm. you're watching it, so much dancing, everything's going on. Yeah, I mean, I had a very cushy role. I was giving it Luke, um, <laughs> who plays Zangara in Assassins, where I would... I'm on really late. I was upstairs for the most of the beginning of the show. And then when you get to meet all the characters, I would like pop down, put my hat on. People have been on, done scene changes, changed their costumes, changed their wigs. And I'm literally poodling on. I'm like, oh, what's going on? How's the audience? <laughs> and then I have like a nice long break, come back on in another glamorous dress. But I mean, it is that thing where you have to be front footed. You can't sit back and be like, oh, well, hopefully they'll laugh. You need to kind of like be active in that. And it's one of the I, I love playing, like I really do. And it's one of the most amazing shows to get to play and have that glint in your eye with someone that you're working opposite, like Robert Lindsay. Oh my word. We were like really naughty and just like, we do things like say something, a line and he'd just be like, oh, and we'd like fire off of each other in that sense. But everyone in that 
no one was lazy. No one was like sitting back on it. It's that thing where you've got to keep up the tempo. And um, my good friend, Victoria Hamilton Barrett, she said when she came to see our open dress, she said the tempo and the speed of everything and the comic timing, she said it was like the sexiest thing about the show because you've got to be like on, 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 as opposed to let the ball drop. It's got to keep moving forward. And that's what I think kept the show so buzzy. And the fact that you've got to keep the audience like keeping up with you. Um, but yeah, in that sense, it's a little bit tiring. <laughs> <laughs> Something I really love that they did. They did a pro shot of it, which aired over Christmas, one of the Christmases, I think. Oh yeah, it's yeah. so lovely. That exists as a document. Um, do you mm. ever watch yourself back at all? I mean, I watch moments of it, not just myself, because that'd be a bit like, oh, <laughs> the ego needs some stroking. But it is the most beautiful thing. I mean, I went to see it when I was in Leicester. Mm. And obviously, because it's a musical, and sometimes people think, who's going to see that? But because of the time it was, it was literally me and two other friends that were doing Chorus Line at the time. And that we were the only people in the cinema. And it was just really cool to like see my name and friend's name on the credits. And it was the way it was done. I was like, it's a proper movie. But it's so it's amazing as well just to have that at home and just to go, oh my goodness, I was in this. And such like an amazing show and everything that came with it. It's like a real staple and like landmark in my in my career. And just when I think about it, it makes me really happy. It's a height of career which which few actors mm. can, can hope to attain. It's it's amazing everything you've achieved so far. Um, but thinking thinking back to how how it all started, was there one specific musical that first really got you interested in musical theatre? Do you know what? I always loved Ragtime because the music in it is divine, and just the way it's just that sort of classic contemporary musical that has great storytelling, great melodies, but in a way that it's got a through narrative and it's really saying something but you can relate to all the characters I mean it's one of the things that I would sometimes put on in my car and sing along to but all the songs <laughs> I'm giving it I think it's um journey on where there's uh there's two male parts and then you've got mother and I'm singing all of them in the car but even the little girl has gliding I'm just like yeah, I'm singing all of them it's banger after banger after banger <laughs> oh I really miss driving for that simple reason just singing along See? to cast arms. to sing away you know just be like uh <laughs> it's such a great show were you taken to see it or did you just hear a cast recording yeah I was I um heard a cast recording but then my mum took me with uh, my friend from primary school and I remember sitting there watching it and seeing uh I can't remember who it was that was doing your daddy's son but I was just you know you go this is amazing and I do you know what I think I was in a bit of a mood I think I was just being like a moody teenager and it started and you know when you suddenly just feel like all your worries and all the stress just leave your body and it's that opening that there's something about it you go oh my goodness it's just genius and then everything about it that comes with the different cultures and the different sort of um styles of music that just overtook me and by the time I left I was in a great mood <laughs> <laughs> really really catchy songs is there one mm. musical score you find gets stuck in your head more than a lot of others I have to say Assassins is definitely one of them for me really it, it is because uh, I mean just the um in a Pan American an exposition in Buffalo. I mean, those melodies. Oh, some yeah, silly yeah. Catchy songs, and it, it gets stuck in my head all the time. Yeah, do you know what? We were in rehearsals today, and um, there's a bit in the opening where uh, we've got Liam Tamney, and his voice is gorgeous, obviously. Mm. And there's a bit where he so, um, sings, Someone tell the story, someone sing the song, and the chords in it, bum, bum, bum. And I was like, mm, whenever it comes in, I'm like, yeah, it's that bit. I just live for that, even though we don't hear it that often. But I go, this is, this is the bit, isn't it? Boom, 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 <laughs> which is great. Um, but I would say it's never really a specific song. And I did think to myself when I was looking at the questions that I love an overture, actually, because you get to hear like loads of the songs from the show and also in a different sort of version. So 
One of my favourite overtures is actually uh, Damn Yankees because the songs in that are phenomenal um, and you get to hear all the different sort of like strings and just it's, it's I really love it. But I did also think as well when I was doing my little homework there <laughs> that um, I also loved, this is like probably a little cheap, but you know in Disney films, because I think those are like baby musicals, yeah. um, is at the very end when they have uh, like a pop star or like a music artist sing a version. And I always loved um, Aaliyah when she did Journey to the Past at the end of Anastasia. And then also Peebo Bryson with Regina Bell, which is at the end of A Whole New World. And then there's one more, Celine Dion with Peebo Bryson again in Beauty and the Beast. And it's Taylor's oldest time. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Is that the name of the song or is it just called Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast. There you go. Taylor's oldest time is the first line. <laughs> there we go. What an amazing choice. You're right. They get stuck in your head so much. And it's something like um, musicals, actual stage musicals used to put out a cast recording and have a pop mm. star record a version of the song. That needs to happen yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, they need to do that because I always loved it because it's also a way I think I really um, identified with what they were doing there because you go, oh, I love the Disney vibe and the musicals. But if you have a different background or you've got like a raspier voice or you've got a different quality, there's a way of you going, oh, I can connect to that and I can actually sing these songs, but in my own version. So I always loved it. And, you know, growing up, there weren't always like black Disney princesses so it was a way of being like oh there's like a way of like crossing into that but you know we're a lot more fortunate now that we've got more diversity but yeah but that doesn't mean we shouldn't still have amazing pop versions this is what I mean we should always do that because I'm like who doesn't want that 100% what is your favorite musical currently running in London oh what did I say (gasps) guys and dolls Oh, I'm going next week. I can't believe it's taken me so long to go. And I can't You're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time. I went uh, in previews. I went on the Monday and then my friend was like, oh, I got a ticket for Tuesday. I was like, I'm going on the Monday. And then whilst I was there on the Monday, I decided I was going on the Thursday (laughs) because (laughs) I loved it so much. And I took my friend and it is phenomenal. I literally was on such a high after I came out that... I, I was trying to listen to music, but at the same time, I couldn't because there was nothing that was giving me the same high. And at the same time, I was like, I need to go to bed soon, but I'm literally just like at 100. Um, so maybe go out for drinks afterwards, for a dance and a boogie to get that out of your system. But I think being in the immersive standing area, I felt like I'd just done a show, but because I obviously didn't know what's going on, even though I know the show, it was that thing where it was like really exciting. You get to move around. So be prepared for a wild ride because it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it scares me a little knowing how much fun it's going to be. I just want to dance to those songs. The, I'm sure the actors are brilliant. The actors could be terrible. The, the staging could be terrible. I'll just enjoy dancing to those songs. Yeah, you're going to have a great time. Trust me. <laughs> oh, there goes my next few paychecks. All on Are that. you standing or are you sitting? I'm standing. Got to stand. Oh, great. Great, great, great. How often do you get a standing production of a musical? You have to take that option. I know. I know. And the thing is, you know, I think I'm going to go again and take my mum and sit down because she'll have a lovely time, but she's got bad knees. So I'm like, mm, I get to see everything from a different view. Third time lucky. Um, but yeah, I will give you this. You can get up close and personal, but you can also stand back a little bit because then you can see more and there's like more space and less like head up. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going on a day after a full day of work. So I might have to chill a little bit, oh, yeah. get in for the good songs, chill a bit. Yeah. In yeah. and out of the wash <laughs> Which musical has made you laugh the most? I'm going to say it's a really random one and really rogue. Uh, the Grinning Man, which was at Trafalgar Studios. Mm. And I'm going to say it was this one line that I don't even know who the actor was, but 
he was basically trying to give, I think he was giving some sort of like, like imagine cowpole or something. And he kept pushing it to the limit where he'd go, give it to the person. He's like, yes. And then go a little bit more and basically did it so many times. I was almost wetting myself and I was with Daniel Boy's little um, <laughs> clang drop there. But it was one of the most hysterical moments that, you know, when you can't believe that they're going to do it again. And I was like, no, no, he's not. We were literally on the floor creasing. And he's like, a little bit more. It's like, <laughs> like, it was outrageous. And I really, I'm just like, I envy that man because it was like to the limit that he went with that line. So for that one line, The Grinning Man, and it is a beautiful musical anyway. So I would put it out there. <laughs> I think it's one that hasn't had a mention yet on the podcast. So, so thank you for bringing it up. It needs Do I win money. something? Oh, I wish I could afford prizes. <laughs> I win the, the title of uh, first time mentioning this musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, if you want titles, you can have all the titles. <laughs> what is your favourite movie musical? Sweet Charity. For definite, I mean, there's so many great songs and I come from a dance background. So thinking about oh, there's got to be something better than this. I just go, oh my goodness. It's got all the things that you want. Hey, Big Spender, Rhythm of Life, The Frug. That is just, that is like the Bible when it comes to all those things. So if you haven't seen that, go and see it because it's also like a fabulous musical on stage as well. But all the things, it's just like, my dream. I would love to do another, I would love to do it again, actually. Sweet Charity. Yeah, because you did it checking my notes you did it at Nottingham Playhouse is that right yes I did and I had excellent excellent cast members that were just unreal we had the nicest time it was really great I mean we didn't sell out great but it was that thing you know when you're doing something you go it just feels really great to do this with these people and know that we've created something really magic so even if there was like 10 people out there not that there were 10 people it just still felt like you were doing something really great that was good for your soul. So we had people like uh, Danny Collins. We had Cindy Belliot, who's in Guides and Dolls now. We had Rebecca Traherne as our charity. Amy Ellen Richardson, who was uh, Nikki and I was Helene. Just phenomenal, phenomenal cast. Phenomenal. So this is Carly Mercedes Dyer. So musical theatre fans, listeners of the podcast, I have taken this time to look it up. It is a Chichester Festival Theatre. I can't believe I got that wrong during the introduction, but here we are. Um, it's an amazing show, Assassins, if you haven't seen it already. It's one of Stephen Sondheim's greatest works. And weirdly, for such a strange musical, it's one of his most accessible works as well. I know people who don't get on with a lot of things he does, but really seem to love Assassins, I suppose because it teaches you something about history, it's funny, it's dark, it's deep, it's political. I, I highly recommend going to see this production. I haven't seen it yet, I will be soon, and I can't wait to see it. It's running only until the 24th of June, so get down to Chichester if you're worried that it seems like a long way away. Depending on where you are, it might not be. I gave it a Google, it's like six quid on the train from London, it's not too bad. So get yourselves down to Chichester and see Assassins. Right, Back to the podcast, back to the chat with Carly Mercedes Dyer. You're clearly a person who really loves musical theatre and <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone who comes on this show is of course, but, but you particularly, you've been in so many different shows and maybe there's no show, maybe people would expect you to love every show in the world, but is there a show that people might be shocked to learn that you love? Maybe something at odds with your personality or a guilty pleasure? I don't know. I'm trying to think that I love. That would be a guilty pleasure. I'm like, what did I put in my notes? Let me look. Um, no. 
I, I can't think of any. But also, I think sometimes people go, oh, I think you'd like this. And I go, not sure. I don't know. I feel like I'd be bad if I said something. They're like, oh, you didn't like that. Absolutely fine. It's, it's an unfair no, question for someone who loves so many different musicals. Yeah. And I've given you like one that's never been said before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You get, a, you get a pass. You're allowed a pass for that. Thank you. I'm not going to offend anyone. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have to now. What is a musical that other people really love, but which doesn't quite connect with you for some reason? It doesn't have to be you hate it, just you don't seem to love it as much as everyone else loves it. Hmm. Am I allowed to say something that I've not seen? I mean, I've not seen Phantom. There's just something about it that doesn't want me to draw me to go and see it. And I'm just like, no. I think it's the, and I know that people say this is like one of the amazing numbers, the masquerade, but I just go, I just don't think so. I feel like it's going to be quite a long amount of time. And I'm sure like what they're doing in it is phenomenal and it's just excellent vocals and it's like up there and it's like a spectacle, but there's just something about it that I go, hmm, of all the things I could go and see, I think I want to, you know, and I, I feel like it's always going to be there. Yeah. So, Even though it comes on Broadway. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's something about an older man luring a young woman. Yeah, there's something I'm a little bit like, about it all. I think I just be like, mm, what's going on? I was like, someone, someone help her. This is not right. <laughs> Yeah, even though I've had friends in it, and it's not to say that I wouldn't support them, but I'm just a bit like, oh, can you get a discount? You can't get a discount. I don't think I'm going. <laughs> well, some people consider that the most romantic musical ever. Clearly not for you. What would you really? consider the most? Well, I mean, there's weirdos out there, aren't there? What would you consider <laughs> the most? I'm talking about my fans here. I'm sorry, fans of this podcast. <laughs> what would you consider um, the most romantic musical ever? Well, I'm going to add another rogue one to the Please. list. Um, oh, I'm going to say even though it's really sad, Hades Town, because it's just like beautiful, even though, sorry, spoiler, but um, edit out. <laughs> but you know, it's that thing where it's just like hope. And I think whenever we can live and lean into hope, there's always something really romantic about it. Um, if you hadn't noticed, I'm a hopeless romantic. But then at the same time, another one for me is uh, that I watched in the pandemic, it was streaming Chichester Flowers for Mrs. Harris oh, oh my god wow that took me by surprise I wasn't expecting to get oh, hit that hard gosh. by that show I wept at the end I was like oh gosh it's stunning everything about it just this like simple woman's dream to kind of see this dress and just be overwhelmed by its beauty at something in some ways it's just so like frivolous and just like oh it's just a dress but it's not to her it's that dream of something to come home to that's going to make her go everything's fine, but a piece of material. And then I think it's just the journey that she's so selfless along the way. And then it's devastating. I can't, I was watching the film and I had to pause it at a moment because I was like, mm, no, I know it's about to happen. And then I had to, I went back and I was like, I feel better now I can watch it because I needed to just like, the tension was too much. But it is that thing where you go, she got what she needed, even though it didn't, something at the end. I don't want to give it away if people haven't seen it, but that just makes me, the whole time I was watching, I felt like I was teeter on tears with, um, it's Leslie Manville that's in the film, because obviously I saw the one that was at Chichester a long, long time ago. So I was like, oh, I can relive it again. But I was just there like, oh, it's beautiful. She's just like a beautiful soul, Ada Harris. It's a human connection sort of musical. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. And just wanting her to win, you're just like, oh my goodness. And then even when she doesn't, you go, oh, it's just, oh my God, it's just divine because she does still win. It's that thing where you go, yeah. Well, we talked about Phantom, a show that you haven't seen, which you're not particularly in a hurry to see. 
What, what music? One day, one day. One day, of course. <laughs> they keep bringing out new musicals, though. That's a problem. There's so many exciting ones. So many exciting ones. What musical have you never seen that you think you should see? Maybe a classic that's passed you by, or maybe even like a new piece of writing which you just haven't got to yet? I'm always gutted that I didn't see the parade that was on at the Donmar. It's, it's the one that everyone always talks about. I'm like, I didn't see it. But I'm going to say Phantom, just because I feel bad that I was a bit like, mm, not drawn to it. But I will see it. It's like I hadn't seen Les Mis for the longest time. And the first time I saw it was when I was at the Barbican for like their anniversary. And then I saw Les Mis again recently because I had friends that were like on for their um, covers and someone that was leaving really soon. So I will say Phantom. But can I also say um, my Totoro, that's at Barbican. I need to see that. Oh, I love that show so, so much. But I didn't see it because there were no tickets left. So this time it has to happen. Yeah, you, you need to be pulling on more of your connections, getting all your agents involved. Just I turn up, they're like, who are you? And I do the squeaky voice. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I owned this stage for a good few months. Dad. <laughs> I'm like, I was here. It's always weird when people do realise not who I am because I'm nobody. But they're just like, oh, you don't have that voice. No, that would be really annoying. <laughs> Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? Um, I'm going to say... Uh, the SS American in Anything Goes because it's laugh a minute on there. So much fun. I mean, there's a slight undercurrent of danger, but like comedy danger. And that's fine. But comedy danger, we were just like, anything could happen. <laughs> and it's just so much fun all the time. And even though, obviously, we've got a script that we stick to, there's still room. And every day, there was not a day where I was like, oh, I'm not having a good time. You're always having a good time. You leave there in just like the best mood. So, you know, depending on who you've got on stage with you, there's always going to be something different going on. But... Also, the audience was a huge part of that, where you go, what are they going to laugh at today? What are they going to kind of like take in? So I would live on there all the time. <laughs> Just go back and forth. <laughs> would you be a specific character? Would you be? I'm going to say I'm going to be Irma because I'm always having a great time. I get a mix of, I'm going to be with the people. I'm also going to go off and chill somewhere else. And I feel like Irma was having the most amount of fun whilst also wearing a wonderful outfit. So yes. can, I love clothes. I love to have a laugh. So yeah, who doesn't want that all that attention? <laughs> <laughs> the wardrobe alone well look out sailors but literally that's the only reason i did the job so i was like look at my outfits that's the only reason i'm here to put them on <laughs> yeah and it's so amazing you get to as you say you not, don't spend all the time on the stage but you get to waltz mm. on stage an incredible outfit steal the scene walk off again <laughs> so but also i get to watch like the glorious numbers where i think one of my favorites is the lovely because just the dancing the orchestration the singing nicole and sam i was like oh it's divine and then you've got our great company members that are doing it's literally like my dream i just stand in the wing sometimes and watch and i think they thought i was up to no good but i was literally just basking in the moment because it's, it's beautiful and then also getting to watch um anything goes the title number at the very end you know you go it was such the camaraderie and just being in the wing and be like go on we used to always scream um to maddie when she was running up the stairs go Maddie because the number's so long to give her that little pep and you could always see a little smile when you're like oh <laughs> when she was getting up there because the number's so epic and I remember seeing it just be like that is phenomenal so I would happily live in um on the SS American <laughs> strong strong choice if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical which would you choose to bring up to date or to change in some way I would do nine because I did it as one of my uh, third year shows. And I just, I've recently worked in a room um, with, I think it was the first two days of a new workshop and it was all women. And I was like, this is 
phenomenal. I think sometimes it comes with like when I did um, the color purple or Memphis, when sometimes you work with like people that come from a similar racial background, there's just a shorthand, which is really easy. And I think we've got a similar thing. We even have it in assassins because there's basically majority men. And then we have, um, two women on the music department. We've got Polly, who's a female director. We've got, I think, five female cast members. And there's always this thing that happens where we all sort of like band together and there's just like this joy. And it's not to say that we're like not wanting to talk to the other people in the company, but there's just this sort of like, oh, this like sense of coming together in a shorthand. So I think I'd want to direct nine because, you know, a room full of women and all their ideas, it's just, you just get on board with each other. Um, and then maybe, maybe you could have a female Guido or something. That could be really different. Yeah, interesting. It's great Ooh. that it's great that um, directors are starting to get more adventurous with casting now. Yeah. So that could that could be fun. I mean, that's not been done. And I I'd play um, is it Carla, the Jane Krakowski character, as well as direct it because I love her. <laughs> I'm like, I want to be. Do you do you want to be Do you want to be Jane Krakowski though, or is it the character? uh both <laughs> she did it she was in um like silks she was in like a because she's meant to be like in bed and being all sexy but she came down and she was all wrapped in that so yeah maybe that what can't she do she's ridiculous what can't she do goodness well the big important question which is why this musical theatre podcast has a stupid title if you were the mayor of musical theatre if you had that yeah. power which show would you order be staged forever to run forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? Oh, I'm going to have to do something that's already been done and I was a part of and say Hades Town at the National Theatre and the Olivier Theatre because yes. it was divine. And just, you know, every day I was there and every day that I did it, I sat down because you obviously come into the stage and you're like, oh, we're the players. And I just felt like, this is amazing. You have Andre de Shields, who is a legend and just like, close friend and you sit there and he's like all right and you go yeah this is cool this is mm. this is what we want to do so I would happily bask in that moment and also it's nice to kind of feel that hope to sometimes have a little bit of a cry and even though things don't work out go we can keep going and in some ways it's kind of what they do isn't it it's like it makes sense because they live in that sort of loop where it's like okay brings here again let's go so it makes sense. Exactly. I mean, you were talking about how, how much, I mean, fun work, I'm sure, but how much work it was to always stay present and in the moment and anything goes, make sure the comedy mm. is as fresh as ever. But you go to Town, the show starts, and you all look at each other and you agree, we're doing this show again. You warm yourself mm -hmm. into it. And what an incredible show to be a part of, like eight shows a week, whatever it was. I know. And there's just something about it where it was like, our sort of like pre-show coming on and kind of like you introduce all the people that were like we're here together we're present so in some ways it is a warm-up into okay are we all ready are we all here um Andre would walk around he'd like shake your hand and he'd like give you a high five and you'd be like okay we're ready to do this as opposed to I've been running late I've not got my eyelash on I'm sitting on the stage and hoping for the best it was really like are we ready audience are you ready are we going on this journey together let's do it so there was something really great about it. And also being in one of the fates, it meant that you were there for the whole time. We didn't really go off stage until we had to kind of like go around and reappear later on. But we were always there, always present with our in-ears and watching everything that goes on, which is very as the fates are. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those shows that really connects to people because it is a, a journey and something that people aren't expecting to go the way that it does. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're like, that. yeah, sorry about that. But you don't leave feeling like I'm devastated. Absolutely, because of the, the wonderful, the meta narrative around the mm. tragic story. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a piece of genius. I went to see it three times at the National. I've already oh, really? booked some tickets for the upcoming one. I'm just worried I'm going to be spending my whole life there. It's okay, though, because I've put it on. I'm the mayor of musical theatre and I've put it on and you're meant to be there the whole time. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> I've said it's fine. <laughs> That's what the Olivier Theatre's for, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm surprised I've not gone back there. I don't know if you were there, but there was a time where um, it's just before you kind of like go underground and I fell mm, enormously. There's no curtain and I got my foot stuck in like the bit that's going to, I can't say because I don't want people to like, but there's a thing that happens later on and I, my foot got stuck and then I fell forwards, but because my foot was twisted in the gap, I couldn't just like get it out. So I had to lie down even more onto my front and then like roll out with the whole audience watching. And then obviously we've got our in-ears because we, um, well, the girls had like their accordion and um, Rosie had her violin and I was giving it percussion no. and they obviously had that here and they're like, someone's gone down. And I was like, oh my word, mortified. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't see that one because it was quite quite a moment. <laughs> I interviewed um, Alex Young on the podcast and she, mm. when she was in Follies at the National, of course, and she told the story about falling over on the national stage. It sounds like there's a class action lawsuit, a health and safety yeah. hazard. No, no, no. But it, then if you fall down on stage, it means that you're meant to go back to that theatre. So I'm still waiting for my return to the National and specifically to the Olivier Theatre. So anyone out there, if you want to call me back, I'd be more than happy. <laughs> a strong case for bringing back Hades Town. So hopefully that'll be the one. Fingers <laughs> yeah. crossed. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been an amazing and amazing mayor of musical theatre. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my God, I'm a mayor of musical theatre. <laughs> it's not real. I'm sorry to break it to you. Oh, I'm going to make myself my own little badge. <laughs> So that was Kylie Mercedes Dyer. Thank you so much to her for being an amazing mayor of musical theatre. What an incredible guest. Do go check her out in Assassins at Chichester Festival Theatre. That show's only running until the 24th of June. So get your tickets and get down there. Get on that £6 train from London and enjoy the heck out of amazing, brilliant Stephen Sondheim classic. You can follow Kylie Mercedes Dyer on all the social medias, do that, as well as this show at, at MusicalMayorPod and also Musical Theatre Review. Check them out, MusicalTheatreReview.com, uh, Musical Theatre R on Twitter, Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in again next week for another amazing guest and more chat about some of the best musicals ever written and also some others. Bye! Bye!